You're listening to the expository preaching ministry of Kootenai Community Church, located in Kootenai, Idaho. We pray that Christ is exalted and your spirit is blessed by the teaching of God's Word. For more information about Kootenai Church, please visit us online at kootenaichurch.org. Well, good evening, everyone. We have quite an exciting subject matter tonight, and uh, I'm excited to present the Word of God here this evening in this great subject matter. So tonight, we are in the doctrine of election, our first evening in election, probably be two weeks long this week and next week. So before we get started, let's pray, and uh, I'm going to ask you, let's pray for... uh, Brian Ashby. Brian's over in Seattle, and uh, I'm not sure of the outcome yet, but let's lift him up to the Lord. Fantastic. Wow. Oh, wow. So he had it. He must have had that. He went yesterday, so he must have had it today? He had it before he went to Seattle. Hi, Mike. Oh, praise God. His, did everybody hear that? His MRI for the brain scan, I guess, it came out clear. Nothing in there. Anticipated? Oh, God. Praise God. Well, let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then uh, we'll jump into our, our subject this evening. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather here tonight. We all come freely, and we're still blessed in this nation that we have the freedoms to come and go as we please. And uh, tonight, we're all here gathered to look at this wonderful subject of one of the doctrines of grace, the doctrine of election. And Father, the thing that's so magnificent once again about this doctrine, about all the doctrines of grace, is every single one of them point to you. Everything points back to you in every manner of the believer's salvation. And so really what we're studying is soteriology. How do we get saved? The subject of salvation is magnificent when we look at it in light of the doctrines of grace and, of course, Support those doctrines with the Holy Scriptures. Father, for all of us that are here tonight, would you join with us and would you apply your Holy Spirit to our understanding? And uh, we're here to take a look at this magnificent truth and we're going to need your help once again. And so we ask that you would join with us, open our eyes, open our ears, help us to understand and help us to apply these truths to our lives. And may you be glorified and honored once again. And we pray these things in the magnificent name of your precious Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, the last time we were together, we finished up the doctrine of predestination. And so tonight we begin the doctrine of election. And uh, we're here to consider the people to whom God's purpose applies. That's really what this is about. 
The people to whom God's purpose applies. Who does God's purposes apply to? So once again, go back where we've been. Go back to Romans chapter 8. And we're going to look at verses 28 through 30 once again. Along with many other scriptures tonight. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 through 30. Till everybody's there. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. The great apostle Paul said this, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called. To those who are the called according to God's purpose. For whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom God predestined, these he also called. And whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he glorified. Well, friends, we are told here tonight in verse 28 through 30 that because God foreknew these people and predestined or preordained them for the ultimate destiny of glorification, he then proceeds to call them by his effectual call or by his effectual manner. Now the text here this evening tells us that God's purpose applies to someone. And it's very clearly outlined that it applies to what Paul said was the called. Now beloved, this is very critical. It is at this point that the great purpose of God becomes actually linked to you and I. It becomes linked to us and becomes effectual in all its case specifically. The called. If we were to turn to Ephesians, you don't have to. We will a little bit later. But in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, Paul said this. He said, the called. The called who are according to the good pleasure of God's will. Or as the New American Standard says, according to the good intention of God's will. Now, beloved, in God's sovereign plan of redemption, predestination leads to the calling. It is here that the calling that God's eternal plan of salvation intersects and meets our lives in real time. Predestination moves forward and meets up now with the calling. The calling of God for the elect, the true believer, in real time. 
Up until now, we've been looking at what God foreordained and predestined before the foundation of the world. Now we move that redemption and salvation forward to when God actually calls the believer. Foreknowledge declares God's eternal plan. Predestination describes God's eternal plan and election delivers God's eternal plan. Thus, the term that you've heard me use throughout our study, excuse me, the chain of salvation, it began with foreknowledge, it moved to predestination, here with election, then justification, and ultimately our glorification. And it only comes, it only comes to the called, the chosen, and the elect. Matthew twenty-two fourteen, the Lord Jesus Christ stated this, for many are called, meaning invited, but few are chosen. By the way, that little word few, in the original language, it really means puny in numbers. Puny in numbers. Many are called, meaning invited, but few are chosen. Puny in numbers are chosen. But friends, what I want you to key it on is this word that we're going to look at tonight. This word called, and we're going to look at chosen, and we're going to look at election. This word called, it comes from a Greek word, keleo, which literally means to summons. To summons. Now, Vine's complete expository dictionary defines the call this way, and I want to quote it. It is used particularly of the divine call to partake of the blessings of redemption. End of quote. Now this word chosen, it comes from the Greek word eklekko, which literally means to pick out, to select, to choose for oneself. The word elect comes from the Greek word eklektos, which literally means picked out or chosen. Now, I'm telling you all three of those words right off the bat because all three of those words are interchangeable in Scripture when used of God's effectual call to salvation for the believer. Now, once again, Vine's complete expository dictionary says this, and I quote, The source of our election is God's grace, not human will. And they quote Romans 9.11, Romans 11.5, and Ephesians 1.4-5. Vines continues and says, They are given by God the Father to Christ as the fruit of his death, all being foreordained or foreknown by God. Now, you can find that to be true in John 17, 6, which we've looked at. And you can find it, of course, where we've already been, Romans 8, 29. 
Now he continues and says, while Christ's death was sufficient for all men, it is effective in the case of the elect only. End of quote. Now friends, Mr. Vine was right. He was absolutely right. Predestination refers to God's choice of individuals for eternal life, while election is the effectual call of the individual for eternal life. Does everybody understand that before I move forward? Critical we, we grasp that. Does everybody understand what I've said so far? You bet. <laughs> you bet, Marilyn. And, and, and again, this is our study. Ask questions. I love it when questions are asked. I may not be able to answer them. I'll try, always. But I like it when we interact. It makes it a lot easier, maybe, for us to understand. So nobody be shy or be afraid. Speak up. This is our study, not mine. Marilyn, I said this. Predestination refers to God's choice of individuals for eternal life. Now, last week, if you are the week before, we weren't here last week, the week before, when we were finishing up predestination, I said to you that predestination took place when? Okay, good. You guys are listening. Good. Yeah. Before the foundation of the world. Okay. So predestination refers to God's choice of individuals for eternal life before the foundation of the world. So before any of us were ever created or born. Now, election is the effectual call of God towards the individuals that he's predestined unto salvation. So Marilyn, election or the call is something that took place in your life in real time when God called you and you embraced his son for your salvation. The effectual call is what God does in each one of our lives and all of us, he does it differently. But that's when the foreordination and the predestination now meets your personal life here on this earth. It's the doctrine of election. Let me keep going. Don't be afraid. Raise your hand. Stop me. I want you to grasp this. Now, friends, <coughs> excuse me. There is a call of God that is what we call effective or what theologians forever have called the effectual call. It's effective. It's effectual. It's going to happen because it's God's call. You see, there is also an effectual call of God in the life of every believer. And it's a call that brings about God's desired purpose. That is the salvation of the elect. Ephesians 1. It was God's purpose to save us. Now, this effectual call of God is an inward call. It's a drawing 
It's a wooing. It's a mild persuasion that God calls us with. It is the secret work of God, and I'm going to use an old word to quicken the believer to faith in Christ. Anybody have King James here? Anybody? If you were to go to King James chapter 2, verse 1, King James uses the word quickened. God quickens the believer to faith in Christ. Let me put it another way. It is the salvific word of God to quicken the believer to respond in faith to Christ. Ephesians 2.1 And you he made alive, and you he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sin. You see, all of this is done, beloved, without violating the man's will. All of this is done in accordance with man's will. It's not a forcing and it's not a coercing of the will. No man is ever saved against his will or browbeaten into heaven. Now someone once said, a man convinced against his own will is not convinced at all. It's true. Loved ones, God does all of this effectual calling in accordance with our wills. God awakens our hearts by his effectual call to salvation. Now, I love the Puritans. I read them all the time. And the great Puritan Thomas Watson said this regarding God's effectual call. I quote, He says, it is a sweet call. It is a sweet call. God does not force, but he draws. The freedom of the will is not taken away. Listen to this. But the stubbornness of it is conquered. Isn't that good? End of quote. God doesn't coerce us. He doesn't destroy the freedom of the will. He somehow conquers it, the stubbornness of it. Now allow me to illustrate all this with Scripture. Turn with me, please, to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, verse 45. I'm going to pick it up in verse uh, 44. Everybody there? Luke chapter 24, verse 44. Then Jesus said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And Jesus opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Did you see who was opening up their understanding, their minds, their heart? Jesus. 
Jesus does this. Well, let me show you another one. Great one. Acts chapter 16, verse 14. Acts chapter 16, verse 14. Everybody knows Lydia, right, in the, in the Bible? Everybody knows about Lydia from Philippi? Seller of purple linen, I believe it is. Am I right? Cloth? Lydia. Everybody there? Acts chapter 16, verse 14. By the way, she's the first convert in Europe also, Lydia. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. Heard who? Paul. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. Now watch this. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. Friends, that's an example of the effectual call of God going out to an individual. Lydia was foreordained and predestined before the foundation of the world to be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And at that time, 2,000 years ago, in real time, God called her. He elected her unto salvation right then and there. And the scripture is clear. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. Now, you know what? It's not in my notes, but since we're in Acts, drop back to chapter 9. I'm going to show you another example where God really, really got a hold of a man's heart. And he didn't do it so gently. <clears throat> Acts chapter 9. Let's pick it up. Uh, verse. Oh, let's just begin in verse 1. I want you to get the context. We're going to look at this closer at, a, at another, another study. But I'll give you a sneak preview. Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for a letter from him to the synagogue of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, believers, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Now, I'm going to jump ahead so we don't have to read that whole passage. Look at verse 15. But the Lord said to him, to Paul, or, or excuse me, the man going to Paul, Go, for he is, look what it says about Paul. He is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Friends, there's a perfect example of the effectual call of God. This one was a little bit abrupt. It wasn't that gentle drawing. It wasn't the wooing. He knocked him down in the dirt. Why? 
He said he was a chosen vessel of mine. Chosen when? For the foundation of the world. And in real time, right then and there, God got a hold of his heart. You see, all of this is done with accordance with man's will. Now, before taking a closer look at the scriptural usage of the words called, chosen, elect, I want you to know that the Bible speaks of two kinds of elections. Two kinds of elections. Anybody know what those two kinds of elections are? Ooh, she nailed it. Melody, great job. Loud. Yep, she's absolutely right. Scripture teaches two types of election. The nation of Israel and the church. By the way, the church is the elect. The chosen, the called. The election of the nation of Israel is God's chosen people. Well, let's, let's, let's look at it. Let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 7, please. Oh my gosh, it's already 726. This subject is so fantastic that I could do this whole election this whole night, but I will not do that. We'll do it in two weeks. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 6 and 7. Here is God's election of the nation of Israel. <coughs> Excuse me again. <clears throat> Everybody there? Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6. For you are a holy people. I'm going to stop there for a minute. What does holy mean? Nice. Set apart. Set aside. Holy doesn't mean pious. It means exactly what Nate just said. Set aside or set apart. So this, you are a holy people, meaning set aside, set apart. To who? Here it is. To the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. For the Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all peoples. Verse 8, but because the Lord loves you. There is the most perfect example of election for the nation of Israel. Since we're in Deuteronomy, jump over to 14, verse 2. Does everybody understand that when Scripture repeats itself, it's always for emphasis? Scripture repeats itself often for emphasis. And in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 2, we find this recorded. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. And the Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself. A special treasure above all the people who are on the face of the earth. Same exact thing he said in 7. Let's go over to uh, Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 7, please. 
Everybody there? Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 7. Look at what's been said. You are the Lord God who chose Abraham. Friends, do you all understand that Abraham didn't choose God? Do you understand that he was a Chaldean? That God called him and chose him to be the father of many nations? Abraham didn't choose God. God chose Abraham. Psalm 32, 12, please. Everybody there, Psalm 32, verse 12. Psalm 33, pardon me. My notes are right. I'm reading it wrong. Sorry. Dave, that's old man syndrome. It's getting worse. (laughs) Psalm 33, verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. That's speaking of Israel, the nation of Israel. Turn over to Psalm 65, verse 4, please. Sixty-five, verse 4. Blessed is the man you choose and cause to approach you, that he may dwell in your courts, We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, of your holy temple. Once again, God's choice of choosing the nation of Israel. One more, Psalm 65, verse 9. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain, for so you have prepared it. You water its ridges abundantly. I lost my place. You settle its furrows. You make it soft with its showers. Gosh, that's not the one. Well, forgive me. Hmm. I'll have to do a little research and see why I've got that. Cross that out. But let me say this. That's the election of the nation of Israel. God's elect people, his chosen people. Now there's the election, as Melody said, the election of the church, the body of believers. We call it the elect. And that's where we're going to start now looking closer. I want to look at this word, the called, even closer with you because the called is the church, the election of the church. So turn with me, please, to Romans chapter 9, verse 11. Everybody there, Romans chapter 9, verse 11. I'm going to pick it up in verse 4 because it's just too hard to get a hold of the context by jumping into verse 11. 
And by the way, I'm going to do an exposition on Romans 9. So I won't do it tonight, but I am in the future, and I'm currently actually, it's actually being typed right now, the lesson plan. I will do Romans 9 and do an exposition of the chapter. But for tonight, Romans chapter 9, beginning in verse 4, who are the Israelites? To whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises? Of whom are the fathers and from whom? According to the flesh, Christ came who is over all, the eternal blessed God, amen. But is it not that the word of God has taken no effect? For they are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. But in Isaac, your seed shall be called. There's that word. Verse eight, that is those who are the children of the flesh These are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as the seed. For this is the word of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac, for the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, here it is, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. Friends, there is a prime example to us all of the election of individuals. And Paul is beginning his definitive arguments Three chapters, Romans 9, 10, and 11, regarding the sovereignty of God and the election of individuals to salvation. And he begins in verse 11 by saying what we just read. That the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. Now, go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Yes. Choice? Yeah. Choice. Why they, why they translated choice? I don't. Uh, it's, the same, it, it's interchangeable with chosen, chose, choice. Anybody have a footnote in, in, in a New American Standard? I use the New King James. I wish I did use it. Hun, oh, you use the English Standard Version. Anybody have an NASB tonight here that might have John MacArthur's study? Does John say anything about, about that? Who's him who calls? God. Yeah. Just throwing that out there. Him who calls. Make sure we're grabbing that context. Okay, go over to first. Dave, unfortunately, I can't answer why NASB and nothing he read said why, but you guys all understand 
the New American Standard, what it's saying, same thing as King James. It means exactly the same. Yeah. Right. First Corinthians chapter one. Verses one and two and verse nine. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, E-K-L-E-G-O, Eklego. Yeah, let me go back in my notes here. Ecclesia, exactly. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Yeah, I think I... I know I gave you a definition on that. What's that, Mike? Yeah, I did. Yeah, chosen or choice comes from the Greek word eklekko, to pick out, to select, to choose for oneself. Go ahead. What are you using for a dictionary there, Nate? Is that Strong's? Chords? Yeah. Nice. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to go look at 1 and 2 and drop down to verse 9. Paul called. <laughs> he got to the second word in this, in this epistle and he makes it very clear. Paul called called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ, look, through the will of who? God. And Sothenes, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Look what he says, called to be saints. Saints means set aside. Called to be set aside with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. Drop down to verse 9. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. As much as we, in our depraved state, we want to have that much to do with our salvation. We, We don't want to let God have it all. The truth is, it is all his. We don't call God. He calls us. We didn't elect him. He elected us. And he did it to fulfill his purpose. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I skipped by it, but look... Look what Paul says in verse 4. I think you'll understand why he says this. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. 
Friends, is that, amb un is that ambiguous? That's clear, isn't it? Turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12, please. I'm going to pick it up in chapter 2 and verse 10, but we want to key in on verse 12. Paul says to the Thessalonians, You are witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behave ourselves among you who believe. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Is that clear? That's as clear as ice, clear as water. God calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Turn to the second Thessalonians chapter two, verse 13. We've looked at this so many times. So far in our study. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. God called us. We can't escape it. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, please. Everybody knows this verse. It's so, so uh, well known. First Timothy chapter six, verse twelve. I, I, I'm going to stop for just a second. We're going to pick it up in verse eleven, but I'm going to ask a real quick question. It says in verse eleven, "But you, O man of God, who who's the O man of God?" Specifically, Timothy, yep, in, in the general sense now. Who's the man of God? Who, who Mike? The saints, the believers. So we could, we could exchange that to putting your name in there, but you, O'Brien, man of God. But he's talking to Timothy. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Look at To which you were also called. Timothy was called to eternal life by God. Because why? Because he was the called. He was the chosen. He was the elect. So just like all of us that are believers in Jesus Christ, God foreordained and predestined Timothy to salvation in Christ Jesus the Lord. And in real time, 
that foreordination, that predestination met up with the election of Timothy when God called him. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. I'm going to sneak a couple verses in ahead of that one. 2 Timothy chapter 1, let's start in verse 8. Everybody there? Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Amen. <laughs> isn't that clear? It's clear, isn't it? Hey, do you guys remember, uh, look, drop down to verse, I just love this, drop down to verse 12. Well, let's keep going, verse 10 but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed until that day. For I know who I have believed in and am persuaded. Okay, I'm done. That's horrible. I know it. But you guys know the song, don't you? Here it is. Based right here. Great theology. Oh, I love it. You want to keep going? I do. How about 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10? Lori's putting a jacket on. I'm heating up. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. Oh, this is good stuff. This is such good stuff. Tell me when you're all there. We got all night. I'm teasing Misty. <laughs> Everybody there? 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. There it is. There it is. Let's go to 1 John chapter 3. John had something to say, it looks like. 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Everybody there? 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. 
Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Did you catch verse 1? It's the manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Let's go one more. No, let's go two more. Jude chapter 1. Jude chapter 1. Are you already there, read it? Yeah. Can't miss it, huh? Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, set aside or sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. That's us. Let's go over to Revelation chapter 19, verse 9. I'm going to pick it up in verse 7. We're going to key in in verse 9, but I'm going to pick it up in 7. This is regarding the marriage of the Lamb. Let us be glad and rejoice and give Him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His wife stopped there. I stopped there because it says His wife, capital H, that's Christ. Who's His wife? His bride, glory got it, the church, but his bride. We are the bride of Christ. Look what it says. Come and his bride, his wife, has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, write. Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. Beloved, all believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, from the beginning of time to the end of time, through all ages, are going to be called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Same word that we've been looking at all night tonight. We were called to salvation. We're going to be called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Nate. Yeah. Loud. Invited. Nice. Yeah. That's interesting. I would have never. (laughs) 
Interesting. Hmm. It says his wife, and I told you his wife is the bride. It doesn't say bride, it says wife. What does the NASB say? It says bride, huh? Hmm. I'll have to look into that. Loved ones, the called. The called are those whom God foreknew, whom God predestined for salvation. They were effectually called for the purpose of redemption. They were called for the purpose of salvation. Now it's 7.53. You want to look at one more word for tonight and you guys can say yes or no. You say yes, okay. Anybody say, anybody say no before I move forward? It's okay, no one will get in trouble. Okay, let's keep going. Let's look at the word chosen now. We've looked at called. Let's look at chosen. Turn over to John chapter 13. I'll try to speed this up. Are you okay if we end up spending three weeks on this instead of two? Okay. I'll speed this up. I'll get this going here. John chapter 13, verse 18. We are looking at this word now chosen. We've looked at called. We're going to look at chosen. We're going to look at election. Verse 18. I do not speak concerning all of you. Now, this this is some tough words. I'm going to say that right up front. I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen but that the scriptures may be fulfilled. He who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. You know what he's talking about? Who? Judas, yeah, you're right. Yeah, Judas. But catch what he says. I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen. The guy that lifts his heel up from, uh, uh, his heel against him is not chosen. It's pretty clear. John chapter 15, verses 16 and 19. When I read this for the first time, I went, ouch. But it was a grave reminder to me of who really does the calling and who chooses who. In chapter 15 of John, verse 16, our blessed Savior said this. He's speaking to his apostles. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And look what he says next. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Let's look at verse 19. Verse 19. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. I I don't know how scripture 
could be any clearer. Beloved, if you don't get anything out of tonight, and I know you're going to get a lot out of tonight, but I just want to say this, and I'm not trying to be a wise guy. If you leave here tonight and think for one minute you chose God first, you did not. He chose you. No man seeketh after God, Romans 3. No man. No one is righteous. No, not one. No one, Paul said, seeks after God. God seeks after us. And Jesus looks at his own apostles whom he loved, and he says, you didn't choose me, boys. I chose you. Now think about that. Think about if we were to go in the scripture and go back and look at scripture and see how Christ chose his apostles. He went to every single one of them and uniquely called them to follow him, right? So let me throw something out before we keep going here. Looking at chosen. I'm just going to throw this out there. What came first as your response? Faith? Repentance? Or regeneration? Let me throw this out again to you guys. I'm not going to give you the answer tonight. I'm going to, I'm, I hope you'll dwell on it. We're going to talk about it. But I just, it just came into my mind, so I'm going to throw that out here. What takes, first, what takes place first in the life of a believer? Regeneration, repentance, or faith? Faith? Regeneration. Okay, so I'm going to throw this out there and then we're going to get going right back here. But we're going to talk about this. We really are. Ooh, we're going to talk about it. I can't wait. Okay, but I, I'm getting excited. I'm getting ahead of myself here a couple weeks. Friends, listen, listen. No man, no woman in Christ Jesus could exercise repentance and faith without first being regenerated. You have to be regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit in order to repent and then have faith and trust and believe. Now, I don't want to debate it, argue it, okay? I'm going to throw that out there. We're going to talk about it. If you don't believe me tonight, that's okay. Go look into it. Start researching scripture. It'll be fun. Acts chapter 9, verse 15, don't go there. We've already looked at it. He's a chosen vessel of mine. We're talking about Paul. God knocked him down the road to Damascus, Okay? Acts chapter 22, verse 14. Is that Lydia? No, that's not Lydia, is it? Let's go there. Acts chapter, 20, Acts chapter 22, verse 14. I've got to hurry. It's 8 o'clock. Yeah, Acts chapter 22, verse uh, 14. This is talking about Paul again. 
everybody there. I'm just waiting for... Everybody there? Acts chapter 22, verse 14. Then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. You, you, we can't even see the kingdom of God until we are regenerated, brothers and sisters. We can't even see the kingdom of God. We can't hear the kingdom of God. But all of us who have seen and heard the word of God, the kingdom of God, the gospel, was because we were foreordained, predestined, and elected. Now, for some reason, I snuck one in here, and, and uh, let's go there. 1 Corinthians, chapter 1 again. Verses 26 to 31. We're just about done. Remember, we're looking at the word chosen. 1 Corinthians, chapter 1, verse 26 to 31. Everybody there? Verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus. There it is. Of him. There it is. Over and over and over again we can go. We can't avoid it. Two more. Somehow, some way, we always end up in Ephesians chapter 1 every week. But that's because it is so rich with the doctrines of grace. Now, I really want to go to verse 4, but I can't skip verse 3. It's so fantastic, this verse. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And now this this paean of praise. Here it is. Just as God chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And I'm going to stop there because I just wanted to key in on how he chose us. We're going to look at great length in this particular study, Ephesians chapter 1, almost the entire chapter. We're, we're going to look in great depth of it. But for tonight, well, let's stop there. Now, we've already looked at 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14 a minute ago. Let's go over to James chapter 2, verse 5. What's that? Yeah. Yeah. Why did he mix it up? It's amazing, huh? Yeah. But it's clear even that in itself, isn't it, Dave? By the will of God. <laughs> 
Let's remember that. Good point is you're stirring me. You know, you're getting me going. You guys don't get me going, but that's a good point. By the will of God. Verse 1, chapter 1 of Ephesians. Go over to James chapter 2, verse 5. And then I'm going to just sneak one more in and we're going to call it quits. Just one more. That's a great point, Dave. Now you got me going. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, verse 1, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like the wave in the sea and driven and tossed to and fro by the wind. James, oh goodness. I must be getting old and senile. I got so excited about what Dave wanted to show me. I want to get to where I want to go and forgot. I said James chapter 2, verse 5. Verse 5. I read verse 5 and go, wait a minute. That's not where I want to be. James chapter 2, verse 5. Listen, my beloved brethren. Has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? Yes. <laughs> now, Dave, what I got so excited about, that word will, let, let's, we're going to look at this one. And then I promise I'd hang it up. I will. Go to, go to uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Paul called to be apostle by the will of God. That word will, God, just, it just spurred me. I always thought it was interesting that John in his gospel got to the 12th verse of this writing of his and he makes the most profound statement in two verses. And it's inescapable of who does what here. So look with me at John chapter 1, verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. You guys finish it, but but what's it say next? But of God. Now we could go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, and James chapter 1, verse 18, and find the same thing said. We're not going to do that tonight. (laughs) Is there any doubt in John's gospel about who did what there? Everything we've looked at all night tonight, brothers and sisters, points to God doing the election, the electing, the calling, the chosen. We've only kind of just scratched the surface. So again, the chosen, this last one we looked at, 
are identical to the called that are chosen by God before the foundation of the world for salvation. They were effectually chosen for one purpose. Salvation. And in all instances, the word chosen signifies strictly the sovereign act and will of God to call out and select a specific people for salvation, the believer, the elect. Now that'll bring us to next week. We'll pick it up next week. We're going to look at the word elect next week. And then we are going to probably, if I can get there next week, maybe if not next week, the week after, we are going to flush out and we're going to dissect Ephesians chapter 1. Every week I've almost gone there and I've decided we're going to take and expound that entire passage. And you're going to be blessed. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, thank you so very much for your written word. I remember when I was a brand new Christian and I was struggling with the doctrines of grace. Because truthfully, Father, Lori and I had three beautiful daughters. And I knew I couldn't save them. And I knew when I read scripture that the sovereignty of God has to work in those three girls' lives. And that they too needed to be foreordained and predestined before the foundation of the world. And that troubled me because I didn't know if you indeed did that. But as time went on, Father, we had to stop wrestling with the word of God and take it at face value and embrace it and recognize that it's true. So, Father, even if we in our finite minds can't quite comprehend and wrap our pea brains around so much of these grand doctrines, they're still true. Regardless of what we will do with them. But my prayer has always been and will continue to be for God's people is that these doctrines of grace will cause us all to go to our knees and fall in love with you, Father, that much more. And your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and your wonderful Holy Spirit, recognizing that the entirety of our salvation from beginning to end was solely due to you. Father, the thought that you loved us out of the the sea of humanity blesses me beyond measure. It causes me to love you because you first loved us. Well, I thank you for these magnificent scripture passages. Help us to absorb them and help us to embrace them and help us to love you that much more. Father, we thank you for all that are here tonight. I look forward to next week. And until that time, bless us all. Keep us safe as we journey home. And thank you for loving us before the foundation of the world. Father, we pray this in the magnificent name of your precious and most dearest son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and God's people said, Amen. Thank you for listening to the latest podcast from Kootenai Church. 
If you'd like to learn more about Kootenai Church or to donate to our church ministry, you can do so online by visiting KootenyChurch.org. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and pray you'll join us again next time. Once again, thank you for listening.